One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello there, you're very welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. In studio we've got me, Owen McDevitt, him, Kieran Murphy. Hello there. And the other guy there, Ken Early. Hello, how are you? I'm not, I'm alright, I'm alright. It's a worrying day though for the sports media in general what in Ireland. Think? Well, we're trying to figure out how to fill the Davy Fitzgerald shaped hole in our output. About 25% of output now to be somehow refilled after his decision to step down as player manager last night. The entire sports media, I think they're coming here? I think so, Where's yeah. Where's the meeting on? Uh, well, it, uh, we said here. I mean, maybe that doesn't suit everyone. But go to Clare, it suits man. us. So, oh, know. the Dublin media, typical Dublin media, huh? You D4, you, really? You, you should probably head to D4. You couldn't have it in court. Not a lot no. of media actually in D4, like other than RTE. Yeah. Is there any other media in D4? I don't know. I'm sure there's some. Yeah. Probably is. Yeah. Your reaction to the? Oh, they're hiding with? somewhere, Ken. <laughs> Um, well, actually, would I give a little bit of the statement first? Statement for yeah, statement, just to, So he says, after this year's All-Ireland quarterfinal defeat to Galway, I was on, this is rumbling on for a few days, the writing was on the wall. Why, why, did I do, why do I do this? I start a statement, and then I interject my own thoughts during the statement, yeah. making it confusing to the listeners as to what's Davey saying and what am I rambling on about. I'll start this again. It's David so Cyril, Open quote. After this year's All-Ireland quarterfinal defeat to Galway, I was undecided about my future and I indicated as much to the players in the dressing room post-match. In the weeks that followed, I asked the joint captains to ascertain the opinions of the wider panel on whether they would like a change of voice. In light of the ensuing meeting and the divided opinions expressed by players, I've decided that it will be in the best interests of Claire Hurling that I step down from the role of manager. Close quote. Close quote. What do you, what's your reaction? Uh, well... I do find it interesting that Davy himself didn't say, right, I want the job on th- and on that basis go to the players and ask the players, what do you think? I mean, in a situation where the players are obviously going to keep going, making the massive commitment that they have met over the last mm-hmm. number of years, and maybe maybe that was the one of the decisive factors in those people who didn't think that Davy Fitzgerald should keep going. So, well, if, if, if you're undecided, then that means you're not 100%, which means... That's it. Thank you for your service and good night. Yeah, hadn't thought of it like that. It wasn't as though Davey said, "I'm, I'm into this. Let's do yeah. it." Yeah, and I, I'm I, not fucking leaving. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> he but wasn't like that. That no, was not that, his attitude. That's, that's Sorry. precisely what he didn't say. Yep. 
uh, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, that was the thing that kind of jumped out for me. I mean, if, you, if you're unsure, if, you know, if one party is unsure about something, then immediately the other party is, starts, starts questioning your commitment, you know. Um, it, is a, it is a bit of a pity that Davy isn't going to be managing. But at the same time, I think that, you know, and we'll get into it with the lads in a minute, but I mean, I, I don't think he'll be out of it for long. I don't think this massive hole in the Irish media landscape is going to be uh, is going to be left unfilled for too long. I don't think uh, I don't think he's the sort to stay out of it. I see long. what you're saying. What? Brian Cody can't stay around forever. David Fitzgerald in charge of the Kilkenny hurling team would be the greatest reality TV <clears throat> one year series <laughs> uh, that I think Irish television could ever hope to make. Henry is assistant. Uh, Somebody more combative. Not that Henry, I'm sure Henry would be combative in a backroom team with mm. David Fitzgerald. I want no, to see that happen. Leave the backroom team with me. I, I'll, at the <laughs> moment, I just have David We're Fitzgerald. We're going to do it. Talking to Gerlach Nan and David Fitzgerald in charge of the functional Kilkenny hurling team. Yeah. That would be, that would be quite I'd something. I'd be more worried about how Davy and Lachnan got on than how they got on with the Kilkenny mm. players for a start there. But is this a, is this a common phenomenon that a, player, that a manager goes to his players and says, let me know what you're thinking, lads, about next year. I know it's a, it's a, increasingly you have to take on board what players think because if you mm. don't, they'll let you know pretty quick smart what they think by booting you out of there, as has happened in, with plenty of managers over mm. the last number of years. But to actually say to them, oh, I'm not sure what's going on, what do you boys reckon? Is that, is that common, do you know? I wouldn't say that it's that common, but I mean, at the same time, if, if you're going on a, you know, like a shared journey as manager and players, then... I suppose it's only natural that both sides would try and talk to each other in that way as opposed to as opposed to like driving it straight down the middle. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I find that weird, to be honest. Maybe it maybe it happens quite a bit, but I would say if I'm David Fitzgerald, I either want the job or I don't. And whether the players want me to do the job, or that's the next thing. But the first thing you have to decide is whether you want to do the job yourself. Okay, but then, right, if he sees the writing on the wall or has his own doubts, which he obviously did maybe has some doubts about what the players think, which he mm. must have had if he had to ask them whether or not they wanted him to stay on. You can see with the statement today, he was very clear, this is my decision. Mm. I've walked away. And there has been speculation to the contrary that he was asked to leave after player power mm. played its part and all that kind of thing. With him to go to the players with being that definitive, maybe would open it up to the, to the interpretation that he has lost his job due to the players, whereas he can actually say, he can take yeah. the moral high ground to a certain extent yeah. and say, I, I, I've got out ahead of there being any sort of rebellion. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I don't, I don't think he's invented that uncertainty though, you know, the, the uncertainty that he felt after losing to Galway in the other quarter final. I mean, I think there were quotes in the days and weeks after that game that did suggest that he wasn't sure. He was by no means sure about what, what to do. I mean, we're talking about all this as if, you know, being definitive in your choices is, you know, the only way you can be. I mean, it's perfectly natural that David Fitzgerald would have misgivings if that, that's what he had. Yeah, and it's interesting that the players themselves weren't definitive. Yeah. It seems like the majority of them wanted him to stay, but some leading players wanted him to go. So, yeah, we will get into all of that with, who are we talking today? Malcolm Clerken and Owen Kelly, of course. <laughs> two, of, two of my favourite contributors, if I could have forgotten. You're very quiet there, Kenny. Okay, you enjoying our Davey chat there, yeah? Yeah. Um, Just when I said you were quiet there, your eyes kind of jumped up at me as though you didn't realise we were in the middle of recording. <laughs> <laughs> You're working on the football show there. It's okay. You can take it. Take a back seat for most of this one. Sorry to call you. Like that. Uh, we've, we all lost our, up. Uh, no. we've all lost our focus from time to time. 
It's fine. me being back in school there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> Great news for Michael Conlon since we last spoke, signing his big professional deal with top rank in the US. This is on the back. I'm going to test you now, Ken, after every sentence. What did I just say? Now, this is on the back of Paddy Barnes going pro, and it has since emerged that Stephen Donnelly, another of our Olympians in Rio, is in talks with a couple of American promoters, uh, promoters about taking the leap. All of this, obviously, is going to be pretty tough for Irish amateur boxing to take, but considering that there's no such thing as amateur boxing anymore, according to the world sports governing body, it's pretty reasonable that some of these guys would want to get out of it. Like, even aside from the, all the controversy at the Olympics, Aiba uh, relatively recently changed its name, took the amateur, to, actually told all federations to take the word amateur out of their names because that's not what they're all about anymore. They're called the International Boxing Federation. There's no headgear uh, that was removed based on flimsy enough evidence mm. it seemed at the time. One report in particular said, ah, yeah, no need for headgear. So they, Aiba went with that. They've t- talked about it. They've deliberately muddied the waters between amateur and professional so I guess I have to be aware that in so doing, while they're trying to attract professionals back to amateur boxing and all this kind of stuff, they've also probably made some fighters think, well, why am I? Am- why don't I just go professional and probably make a lot more money than I am at the moment? I'm training like a professional anyway. So that's the way it is. It also used to be that people involved in the amateur game would talk about the sharks in the pro game. Mm. All these sharks circling around, trying to nab our guys and trying to corrupt them and all the rest of it. But I think the Olympics showed us that. There are a few sharks in amateur boxing yeah. as well, or yeah. whatever it's called now. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, the, Basically, the amateur boxing is, it's like professional boxing, but without the money. Well, we keep the money, but, you know, you keep fighting there. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's a bizarre scenario. I mean, the, the reasons to stay amateur are getting fewer and fewer. Well, good luck to the boys the, who are going professional. U.S. Murph is on today by Colin Kaepernick. We obviously talked a couple of weeks ago about his refusal to stand for the anthem and the firestorm that that provoked. But there's been a lot of support in the last couple of weeks since the season started. That was a preseason game, a number of preseason games in which he made that stance in order to protest a lot of the ills affecting uh, particularly black people in America. At the moment, he's got a lot of support from other players, teammates, others in the league have also been kneeling during the... It's evolved into this kneeling during the anthem because... I think Kaepernick decided that would show a bit more respect respect to military veterans and all this kind of stuff compared to just ignoring it completely and sitting down. But uh, some entire sports, baseball in particular, has been notable for its lack of any involvement in this particular protest. So we'll get into all of that after we talk to Owen Kelly and Malky Clerken of the Irish Times. Malky, how are you? Well, I'm very well, yeah. Uh, usually when a manager walks away, well, there are a number of different ways this can happen, that a manager finishes <coughs> excuse me, with a county. They walk away entirely of their own volition mm. and just it's done. They're pushed out by the players, which is becoming an increasingly popular way of removing a manager or they're axed by the county board. I guess this one looks like a mishmash of the first two. Yeah, it's kind of uh, all the greatest hits all kind of spun (laughs) into one. All right. Um, Yeah, I actually I was reading Davies um, statement last night. I I thought it was pretty classy in fairness to him, you know, that um, considering considering the amount of acrimony that uh, is sometimes par for the course with Davy, or the amount of, whether it be down to crossed wires or whether it be down to dueling agendas from, from different sides, you know, those, uh, uh, a lot of the time during his time, there seemed to be a kind of a, a trail of smoke behind him. Um, whereas this... This seems like a grand way to to finish it. Um, in, in what way? Just by in what, that, what was classy about the statement? Do you think? Well, I thought it was. I thought 
there didn't seem to be any kind of rancor in it. It was kind of, listen, this is a player's game at the back of it all. Um, I've let I left it up to them to see what they thought. Um, the reaction came back mixed enough, so I'll just leave it at that. Now, there's different sort of stories in the papers uh, this morning. Um, by all accounts, the the cohort uh, who wanted a change or wanted Davy to change isn't the majority of the panel. Um, it's it has some reasonably or pretty well known uh, players, but that it, that it isn't uh, like it's not fifty percent plus one. It's it's smaller than that. Um, but that's enough now. It seems that's to be. It seems to be. It seems to be that Davy, at least going by his statement, has taken the view that well, unless everybody wants me, then there's no point to it. Um, and and so that he's he's decided to to go out like that. Look at the back of it. He's been there for five seasons. Um, the All Ireland was a fantastic. The league title this year was fantastic. But the league title this year was fantastic on the basis that. It was very well won, you know, you can't put that down, you know, Kilkenny in the semi-final, Waterford in the final after a replay, nobody was holding anything back, those were games that had to be won, but it was they were, the league was a big deal um, with the promise of more, and this summer was a disappointment as well, you know, over since the All-Ireland win in 2013, they've beaten Leash, Offaly and Limerick, and you know, that's not really good enough. Uh, Owen, it's interesting that managers now go to the players and ask them if you want to push me out. You m- let's get <laughs> they, let's get free to, it. to push these days. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, I think if you go through Davies kind of last twelve months, you know, with Clare. You know, I actually thought after winning the league final this year, that would buy him another year or two. You know, I'm probably a bit surprised that he's gone. But then there's another part of me thinking that you know, even twelve months ago, there was players, you know going on the J1 to America it was players maybe often to play different codes and that so you know there was rumblings there you know I suppose Davy changed his kind of management style this year he got a PR guy inside the camp I suppose to look after certain things Davy looked more cool and calmer on the sideline he got in Don Logo I suppose to be that fresh vice so he did change in the last 12 months that was probably obviously coming from players meetings previously as well but you know, I suppose, look, he's probably seen the writing was on the wall and you know, if he said after the, the loss to Galway that he was going to let the players see what they wanted, you know, he probably knows that they, they're looking for a fresh vice. Now, look, it's probably been driven by three or four players again, which I'm sure David will be disappointed with, you know, but look, he's probably doing the right thing when he knows he hasn't got the full dressing room. Now, you know, look, it's sad to see him gone out again because he is a character. His charisma will be a lot. And as I said, he did change either in the last 12 months you know, I thought he was more cool and composed on the on the sideline, and don't even have been interested interested to see what road does Don Lokuza go down now today. We'll say when it's mentioned in Davy, but where does does Don Lok stand in all this? But uh, you know, look, he won all Ireland in thirteen, won a league final last year. Um, you know, he did have success with that team, and you know, I suppose a lot of it boils down to probably their style of play, their defensive style of play, and for those players. And they're probably here when they go back to their clubs and back to their families and meeting guys around the county. I mean, you know, we're not going to be going to games if we still see playing that defensive style and this and that. You know, that creeps into players' mentalities, and you know, that's probably where three or four of the leaders probably stood up and says, "Look, you know, we're looking for change here." And probably once Davy heard that, 
you know, he was probably going anyway. And look, he has health issues as well that were openly uh, documented during the year. So, you know, he's probably going to take a step back. I can't see him being out of inter-county management. This is by far not his last job. So, you know, it's been interesting to see where we see him in, in a year or two or maybe three years' time. Yeah, possibly for the health, it's a good idea to step out for a while. Although he maintains that the, the, that that's an, a genetic issue as opposed to there being, you know, as opposed to being brought upon by the stress uh, of managing Clare. But just on that point that a few of the players decide that they don't want him, but the rest of them seems like, like pretty strongly believe that they actually do want the manager to stay. Oh, and surely at any stage, unless you're defending All-Ireland champions, at any stage in a team's development, there are going to be a few players who aren't happy with the manager. Is that not a manageable situation for Davey, that he could have gone back in and said, right, lads, it's only three or four of you. Let's, ha- let's us three, and f- or whatever amount, let's hammer it out together, get back to the rest of the squad and present a united front. Yeah, but you see, like, this hasn't happened now over the last six weeks. Uh, I definitely think this has gone on maybe a good 12 months, we'll say, you know. And, you know, I'm sure they would have had open discussions. They had even after the defeat in the Monster Championship 2013 and look where it led to. But I'm sure they would have had open discussions about style of play and, and all that. And I'm sure there would have been arguments and, you know what I mean, no better man than Davy to, to stand up and, and give his views. But, like, you know, I suppose Davy probably just over time was saying, I have enough of this. You know what I mean? There's other things I need to, to look after in that. And no, he probably just, as I said, seen the writing on the wall that he did, once he didn't have the full dress room, you know, move on. Because look, if three or four of those guys are three or four of your main players and they're not pulling with you and mixing right, you omit them from the squad, you're not going to have success. Like So I think Davey's smart enough to, to know that too. And you know, look, I think he's a lost to the championship, you know. Um, you know, he he spoke short pride and passion, like that's what he brings with his age, you know what I mean? And you know, I suppose like he tore Kilkenny Asunder in the league semi final. I think after that then you know, they went on to win the league. I think but the clear public public were looking for a big big win in the championship and, and it didn't come like and you know, maybe he just reckoned that they need a fresh voice there, so you know, once he didn't get the full support of of his players He's 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 left the tomb, but I think part of him, I'd say a good ninety-five percent of him, was not going to come back anyway, even after that defeat to Galway. So I think it just, you know, he just wanted to get the feel for the players. The feel was that, you know, two or three wanted wanted fresh voice. So he's he's left it in a in a dignified way, we'd say, by his statements. You know, he's uh, he's been very grateful to the players and all the the success they had, and to the clear people and the, the supporters. And uh, you know, he's bowed out in a nice way. Marky, you were nodding along there to the idea that maybe this is something that's been brewing for a while. Well, it's more its more that it, that I don't think that this is just six weeks of, uh, you know... WhatsApp messages between players. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, 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 like, as I say, you know, Davies' reign has, has always been, you know, there's, there's always been tension there and there's always been, um, I don't know if, if conflict is the right word, but, like, you know... During the league in however long ago it is now, is it 2015 or 2014, the the issue with the removal of a, of a couple of the lads and the, talk, you know, Davy talking about um, having been bullied as a young guy and all this sort of stuff, there's always a sort of a, a, a whiff of a row around it. And the other thing is that these guys that, that won the, the under-21 All-Irelands together... 23 now, 24 now, 25 now. Um, and those years don't belong passing. And also they see Tipperary having won with a real sort of mature group. Uh, and they also see Waterford coming up behind with a young and fresh group. 
So they're caught in the middle there somewhere and they must kind of look around them and go, well, you know, it's very easy for three years to pass here. And we wake up one morning and we're all 27, 28 and we're going, right, lads, we have to do this now in the next two years. Like years, they they really don't be long passing, you know, the, that the... The championship season ends up, you know, being two games or three games. Half Tipperary. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. If you look at Tipperary after 2010, that's, you know, I'm sure that's what the Clare players were looking at as mm. well. Should we just hang around till, you know, six years down the line? But Owen said that he feels that the league title would have bought him a bit of time. I thought it would. Yeah, it, it would have bought him a bit of time had the summer worked out. Um, had they even made an All-Ireland semi-final? You know, they haven't been back to Croke Park since the 2013. And they haven't been to a Munster final at all. They haven't been to a Munster final final at all. That's that's probably more damning than anything. They've made no inroads in the potential championship. So, yeah, the the league is the kind of thing that buys you another year if you've won a Munster title or if you have been beaten in a Munster final and got to an All-Ireland semi-final. You know, like as we said here during the summer, (laughs) Podge Collins gets back to Croke Park playing with the Clare footballers rather than the Clare hurlers, you know. And, And the two semi-finals as well kind of, they broke no argument that the mm. the four best teams were in the All Ireland semi final, and the championship ab- absolutely took took flight from that point, which I think would have been a bit of a you know a bit of a fright to everyone who wasn't in the semi final. Well, just I, to see how and especially Clare, because you know, like even the even in the middle of the summer, we were here talking about the hurling championship and the sort of the the X factor or the you know the the sort of outlier that we always kind of threw into the mix was Clare and we're doing that on the basis of something they did three years ago you know and that doesn't even feel that long ago Uh, so if you project forward three years it could be an eye blink Uh, and if Davey was if the players and especially if they're the the, some of the more uh, players who are more to the forefront if they're sitting there going God, we could do another three years here or another two years or maybe he does another year and then we have to do another year of the new guy that comes in. And next thing you know, they're 27, 28 and, and time is running out, you know. So, Oh, now there are any obvious candidates, uh, any obvious avenues for Davey to get straight back into inter- inter-county management next year if that's what he wants to do? Is there a county that jumps out at you that could do with the immediate Davey Fitzgerald hit? No, there's probably... Look... Wexford could do it on the media Davy Fitzgerald hit. That's probably the only job I think that's vacant probably at the moment. You know, I I think Davy will step back from it. He might get back into the punditry in some in some way. You know, he might Davy always has one or two things business wise probably up his sleeves. But just going back to Malachy's point there with Clare, like right, they want to have a change of management and that's going to be crucial for this group of players. But I think they need a fresh approach to their team as well. They need two or three players to step up from somewhere. I know Aaron Shannon kind of mid a small bit of an impact this year. He's 19, but if you look at Tipperary, we'll say Ronan Maher, mm. especially John McGrath, Michael Breen, those three players had a major factor on Tipperary's season this year. Right? The guys that were there in 10, they're probably the leaders of the group now. So, you know, Clare need a change, right? They're going to have a change of management. But they definitely need three or four players breaking into that team because every time you pick up the programme, it's kind of the same Clare from 2013. There's no one breaking onto the team. So, you know, that's that side of it that they need to look after. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think, I'd say Davey will probably take a year or two out now, but, you know, look at these Galway jobs and that. You don't know how we all don't know who gets on in the next year or two. Galway are never, Galway are never <laughs> too shy, anyway. <laughs> Davey doesn't have to wait too long, I'm sure. You just don't know what will happen uh, with Dublin down the road and that. So, 
he'll be interesting but he's, his personality and his drive for the game and he kind of likes challenges that teams haven't had any success with I suppose you know you even look at his own club six from the bridge he was part of that that won a club other and he was part of the care teams 95-97 that broke a trend 2013 even Limerick IT Fitzgibbon so you know he likes the challenge of a team that's kind of down so you wouldn't know a Wexford or something now you I doubt he'll get back into management straight away, but I definitely don't think he'll be out for the next uh, two or three years. Yeah, I don't know how long he'll be out because even listening to him, I don't know if you heard the documentary on Radio 1 a few weeks back uh, called Davey by Maura Trasani Kjallig. He, The language he uses when he talks about the importance, he says at one stage, to me, there'd be no point living unless I was involved in sport. <laughs> now, this is the kind of evocative stuff that, that you hear from Davey Fitzgerald and... After this watch, I think he's over in, in American holidays at the moment, but once he moves away from the emotions around exiting his own county, I, we're trying to peer into the mind, you know, to kind of read mm. the mind of David Fitzgerald here, which is basically impossible, but I don't know how long he could stay away from the top level. Yeah, exactly. I mean, whatever David does, he'll be involved in competition. There's, there's no way around that. that um, I <laughs> This is this is a stupid story, but it, but it it's a, a small window in, into his mind. He one of the lads that was on the All Stars trip, I don't know, it was last year or the year before. Um, Davy and him and two others went off to play golf one of the mornings. We're out like super early, and like Davy's near enough a scratch golfer, um, and uh, <laughs> they went out playing uh, at like whatever seven o'clock in the morning on an All Stars trip, and um, a my man was, was they played a, a foursomes or a four ball against these other two and it went down the 18th and my man had a, like a five foot putt at the end uh, for them to win it uh, and it just it just lipped out or whatever if you wouldn't talk to him for the rest of the day <laughs> like your man was kind of going everybody shook hands afterwards and, and he went oh sorry about that and he went oh fucking you didn't and it was like it was a sunny morning on an all-stars trip you know and he like, was cranky with him for the rest of the day like and that's look that's him he's, he, he's involved in, in competitive sport and, and in competition and, and, and that's him like Owen's exactly right well I mean like I don't even think there's any massive insight in it he will of course manage a county again there's a fair chance he'll manage Clare again um, in six or seven years after I presume Daly will have a go again at some stage whether it's this time or, or the next one but um, Davy will absolutely be on, on sidelines again there's no question Alright Maggie brilliant stuff Owen Kelly thanks a million thanks, Cheers Owen Andrew, that's the question that's going to be asked, answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight, tonight, into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight, their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just, the bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. Now, I think Cork have made a massive boo-boo with our matchups. Massive boo-boo. Tonight, 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 tonight. Savings. Probably not as much fun to talk about as sport. Which is why at Rabo Direct, we keep our talk clear, smart, and absolutely free of waffle. Rabo Direct, the straight talking savings bank. Davey was actually very funny in that documentary I was talking about when he was chatting about his dad. That this is something that's popped up during his reign that his dad is obviously the secretary of the county board. So people would assume that that gives a certain, gives a manager a certain strength in his position within a county and that he'd have a certain amount of support from his dad and essentially that it'd all be pretty plain sailing mm. which 
wasn't the case, according to Davey. He says that he's got the, the lowest budget of, of the last four or five managers, I think is what he said. Certainly he's had slashed budgets. His dad wants everything to look like it's being com- done completely fairly so the footballers get 50-50 treatment, which uh, the implication being that that mm. wasn't always the case for other managers. It sounds like the kind of the guy in school, his dad is the teacher, trying yeah. to, the dad maybe trying to do a little bit too much to show that he's being... <laughs> Just to be fair, I'm going to treat my son particularly horribly. Uh, I don't know that that's... Mm. I, yeah, I mean, you're, you're drifting quite a way away from fairness there, really, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of people feel that way, I think, or, you know, have to be seen to be extra fair. Mm. Um, And it's always very, it's silly, really, because what they're doing is prioritizing their own self-image over the welfare of their (laughs) child. (laughs) (laughs) You know, do I feel as though I've lived up to my precious standards of integrity? I really, I really want to, you know win the trust and admiration of these snot-nosed little nine-year-olds. So I'm going to mentally torment my own son. Yeah. That doesn't make a whole pile of sense. Yeah, we're going to put out an Irish Times second captain's football podcast today. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I have to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here? You're showing me, man. I want to fill in the blank. Arsene Wenger. Oh! Oh, God. That was. I hadn't even given you the list. That's extremely loud. Well, you've heard a lot of people's eardrums, Ken, but you were impressed by the fact that I made up for previous. Failures in guessing in this guessing game that you sometimes foist upon me by insist on pre-guessing. Brian Little, Ray Harford, Rude Hullet, Ron Atkinson, Jim Smith, Joe Royal, George Graham, Martin O'Neill, Roy Evans, Alex Ferguson, Brian Robson, <laughs> Brian Robson, Kevin Keegan, Frank Clark, David Pleat. Oh, can I do a second Grant guess? Sunis, Peter Reid. These are the managers. Jerry Francis, in the league Harry Redknapp. Oh, that's great. And Joe Kinnear. And blank. <laughs> and blank is Arsene Wenger. That wasn't set up just to confirm to our listeners again. I did pre-guess that without any prompting. Uh, you, you did. You, you got it straight away. The listeners are now deaf in one ear, so it's fine. They can't actually... It does sound a bit suspicious, given that I hadn't even asked the question. Well, I People will were... be wondering how yeah. you managed to figure that out. Well, I know. Well, I Simon, remember Simon... Uh, you know, on that movie quiz show, whether <laughs> the, the, the Ralph Fiennes character... He did wait until the question was asked, <laughs> you know, just to get to make sure that the fix was in. Well, no, Simon, I don't know if you were privy to the email Simon sent on last night. He sent on Amy Lawrence's piece in The Guardian about Wenger being in the job 20 years. Ah. This is great. We should get Amy on and talk about it. So that's what I'm assuming. That's the only bit of football that's in my head at the moment. Ah, uh, okay. Well, there. That's fair enough. Well, in fact, it? we will talk to Amy Lawrence about that. And um, we'll talk about some other stuff besides. Oh, there's a lot going on. Let's do it. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. I'm deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit.
Dan Murphy, how are you this week? Boys, good. It's been a couple weeks since we chatted. I'm sure we got a lot to catch up to. Uh, you know, here we are, September, fall, the whole deal. You guys, what, got the GAA rolling over there? What's going down? Oh, you, oh, you didn't hear about Brian. the crazy All-Ireland final, no? Dublin Mail. Isn't there a replay coming your way? There's a replay coming our way thanks to uh, Helter Skelter final last Sunday. Brian, two, Mayo, Mayo's uh, misfortune in Croke Park continued as they scored two own goals. Two own goals. No one remembers oh. even one own goal in an All-Ireland final and Mayo scored two inside uh, like 15 first half minutes. But they battled back to ultimately draw the game. Now, what's Mayo's history? When's the last time they've won an All-Ireland? Ooh, Brian. Ooh, it's tough. Uh, 1951, last time they won the All-Ireland. And oh. uh, they languished in pretty much obscurity for 30 years after that, nearly 30 years after that. But since 1989, they've lost eight All-Ireland finals. Oh, uh, so oh my God. I was unaware of, of the... Uh, so they're like the Red Sox uh, uh, until 2004... Basically, I would say the Cubs, but the Cubs haven't made a World Series. The Red Sox used to make World Series routinely and lose in Game 7 until 2004, so that's Mayo. Oh, they have to be the overwhelming sentimental favorite, are they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to let uh, Owen answer that. Uh, it's it's often 31 against one uh, when it comes to – 31 counties against one when it comes to Dublin in All-Ireland Finals, but it's even more so – that way it sounds kind of like we've been put on the Murph and Mac show. Are we on KMBR yeah. live right now? It's, it's, <laughs> we're double jobbing we're getting, here. We're getting we? grilled here. Yeah, it's like a, a simulcast. <laughs> I know. It is always weird. I have to admit, that is a bizarre thing when you're doing um, – anytime – it happens once every like month or so. The guy starts asking you questions, and you're like, whoa, whoa. It, it Not only does it sort of like flip the tables, but it knocks you off your stride. You're like, wait a minute. I, I, no, no, I was prepared to ask the questions, not answer the questions. I kind of like so, it, Brian. It sometimes, I, it sometimes makes you think a little bit more about – what it is you, about, about the craft of asking questions <laughs> for uh, a living, I guess. Here, well, I'm going to ask you a question about Colin Kaepernick, Brian. The question is, okay. well, surprise. it's more of a statement. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's not really, ta- you know, in um, journalism school, they don't teach you to ask closed questions like this. But it seems to me, Brian, that Colin Kaepernick has got a lot of support since the last time we spoke. A lot of people, uh, well, particularly NFL players, even players in other sport, in other sports have rallied around him a little bit and, and launched their own protests. I got to tell you, I can't remember the exact words we said the last time we spoke, but I'm pretty sure I was of the opinion that while it was an impressive display of uh, of principles by Colin Kaepernick, I was fairly sure that it would not have legs, just given the modern-day climate, given the modern-day attention span, given the modern-day 24-hour news cycle, given everybody's obsession with image and money and corporations and, and all these things. I thought there's just there's no time for a social stand anymore in the modern sports landscape. And Tiger Woods and Michael Jordan, we've talked many times about how those guys just set the mold. Hey man, just get your money, get yours, and move on. And that the days of the 1960s and Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali going to jail for his beliefs, or Tommy Smith and John Carlos raising fists on the Olympic uh, medal stand, that those days were gone. And the best we would get was that what we talked about over the summer was when LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and a couple other basketball players opened the ESPYs with a little 60-second speech or two-minute speech about how they uh, were upset that so many unarmed black uh, Americans were being shot by white law enforcement officials. And we thought, hey, wow, in this day and age, that counts as a, geez, that counts like a, that counts as a march on Washington. You know, these guys actually spoke about something. But now we've got something that's a movement. I mean, I really... 
I mean, maybe movement is too strong of a word. Maybe it's not because I am quite surprised and impressed that this thing is now, I believe it's a month old, guys. I believe it was August. It was mid-August to late August when he launched it. Here we are now heading into the first day of fall, and it's still going. And, in fact, it's gathering steam. And, in fact, tragically, it's gathering more steam because of, of news this week. And here we go again with more footage of an unarmed black man being shot and killed. It happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma is the latest. And all it does now is ramp up what Colin Kaepernick's talking about. And more people joining him, more people on his team joining him, more people across the NFL joining him. And, of course, uh, Megan Rapino, the women's pro soccer player, joining him. And Chris Long, a white defensive end for the New England Patriots, giving an extended radio interview saying, I really want to listen to my to my black teammates about what they're talking about here. And, and I think we should all give them a listen. And Marshawn Lynch going on Conan O'Brien this week and saying he'd rather have Colin Kaepernick take a knee than stand with his hands up and get shot. Very dramatic stuff. So the end game, I still don't know. I mean, what is the end game of any social movement? You know, I guess when there are tangible things like the women's right to vote or, you know, U.S. out of Vietnam, there are tangible goals there. This one is a little less tangible, you know, social justice and no killings of unarmed black Americans. It's it's a tall ask. But guys, here we are a month later and it's on. Brian, the most surprising supporter of Colin Kaepernick that I've read about in the last week or two has been Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, who says, I truly respect our players wanting to speak out and change their community. We don't live in a perfect society. We want them to use their voice, to which I would ask Mr. Goodell, since when? And I'm going to say right away, just going to throw the 15-yard, I'm going to throw the yellow flag uh, of an NFL game, 15-yard unsportsmanlike on Roger Goodell because of two (laughs) strikes on him before he came out with that mealy-mouthed excuse of a a support. One, he stayed silent for about 10 days. He didn't say a word, and everybody's like, hey, some leadership from this guy, right? He just went and hid. And two, his first initial comments were not nearly as supportive. He was saying things like, well, we don't like to see it. I don't have the exact quote in front of me. You can find it. Mm. But his first comments somewhere around August 30th or something like that were not nearly as – that was a total capitulation. To the. He just licked his finger and stuck it out the window to see which way the wind was blowing. Or he heard from some black players that, oh, maybe I should offer a half-hearted endorsement of what he's doing. But his initial comments were far less supportive. They were more, like, more along the lines of the patting on the head saying – uh, I understand you want to protest, but this isn't the right way to go about it, son. That was the general tenor of his first comment. Now he's coming around and going, no, 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 uh, free expression is good. We do want this. So he's definitely not been a beacon of leadership or, or uh, social change on this deal. In fact, if anything, I would say, oh, given this whole month, I would say st- he's damaged his stock and credibility even more, at least in my eyes. I mean, maybe there's somebody out there that can write an essay supporting Roger Goodell. I mean, he hasn't disciplined Kaepernick, I guess. He hasn't fined him or anything like that. So I guess we give him, quote-unquote, credit for that. But uh, I I refuse to believe that Roger Goodell has been an agent of change in this whole deal, guys. Brian, I was listening to a discussion on Kaepernick, this whole topic, on Hang Up and Listen, Slate's podcast, their sports podcast, and... They were talking about, they mentioned uh, Megan Rapinoe, as you said, the U.S. soccer player who has uh, has protested as well. Uh, One of the OKC basketball players, NBA players, 
kind of said, listen, obviously NBA players are going to join this protest as well when our season starts. It almost seems like that's a given now. But uh, the MLB, Major League Baseball, which is ongoing at the moment, I mean, it's reaching crunch time, really, in the baseball season. Nobody's protesting. Adam Jones, the Baltimore Orioles player, says you can't do that. In football, you, you, you can't kick the players out. You need those players. In baseball, they don't need us. Baseball is a white man sport, which is a pretty evocative phrase to use. Evocative and true, and and credit to Adam Jones for you know calling it out. I mean, it's an elephant in a room in many ways, but also an, an accurate statement on his part. And that is a slightly different topic, which is the incredible. And I think we may have touched on this at some point in the past few years, but the the really stunning decline of African American athletes who play baseball in in America. It's a, it's a it's to me the biggest. The, the most depressing thing that's happened in baseball in the last 40 years, not work stoppages, uh, not the length of games or too many pitching changes or whatever, but it's been the demise of the black player in America. You're talking about the greatest players in the history of this game, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Yessie U Steroids, Barry Bonds, all the greatest players in the history of this game were black, or not all of them, but many of them were black, and now black kids just aren't playing baseball and that's a little different than the topic of of protesting the national anthem but the end result is that there are so few and we can get into the reasons why whether it's you know the 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 travel baseball and the pay to play or the lack of college scholarships or what some people see as a more sinister reason major league baseball owners seeking cheaper labor from the caribbean there are tons of black caribbeans who are playing baseball uh, dominicans etc who are playing baseball who come at a much cheaper cost than signing American athletes. Uh, you sign these kids for dirt cheap and send them to your academies in the Dominican Republic and you can have cheap labor until they become free agents six years in. So that's a more sinister way of seeing it that white owners are exploiting uh, uh, the Dominican or the or the Latin uh, uh, talent market. But the end result has been down to 8% is the number of African-Americans. Adam Jones, one of the few prominent African-American players in baseball, and he's absolutely right. He, he, he wouldn't feel comfortable making that stance. I, I, the San Francisco Giants, my beloved team I've talked to you guys about forever, yep. they have one African-American player, Denard Spann. And, he's the, it, it, and until he came to the team as a free agent from the Washington Nationals, they had none. So you're talking about whole rosters that have no black players. So how many people can relate? to the killing of black males or in, in the streets. How many people can relate to the story of Terrence Crutcher, the Tulsa man who was gunned down this week and caught on video? Almost none of them can relate to that. Almost none of them are willing to put their careers or their reputations on the line to do so. Whereas in football, they all know that football is not just littered with a ton of black players. It comes a ton of black players who come from the environments and the communities in which these events are happening. So many NFL players come from hard scrabble backgrounds. To make it as an NFL player requires such physical and mental toughness and such a desire to climb out of a difficult situation that so many of them are coming from hard uh, scrabble and, and violent communities in you know Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, even Southern California for that matter. So they relate to it. So Adam Jones is right, and it's sad. You'll never see this movement in baseball. I find it really interesting, the the world you're describing here, the the, the hardscrabble existence of the players uh, and the people who come to watch them play. Um, because it would, in, in my experience, it, it appears as if the audience uh, at all of these, the, the, the actual crowds at all of the major sport events skew older, wider, and richer 
and the players you've just described. So in many ways, sport is it's it's not a situation where there can be a, where the. They're, those two groups are coming closer together. It's actually those two groups are go, are getting farther and farther apart in American society at the moment. And now you have this kind of powder keg of what Kaepernick has started right in the middle of that of that scenario. Yeah, it's a true story. And that's why when apparently they were in Charlotte, North Carolina last week, I was not at the game. It was an away game. The 49ers were playing the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton. Reports are that he was met with a fair amount of resistance from the crowd. Loud boos some uh, nasty heckles, some some bad things yelled at him. So you're getting fans who go to games who are full-on against what Colin Kaepernick is doing. Now, I will say this. The NFL crowds tend to be a little more demographically diverse than, say, uh, a Major League Baseball crowd for sure. And and even an NBA crowd, so expensive to go to an NBA game these days. There's fewer, you know, fewer seats. Most arenas only hold about 17,000, so the seats are more expensive. Whereas you can go to an NFL game, 70,000, et cetera, so the seats are a little more affordable. When you okay. go to an NFL game, you do see a little bit more of a diverse crowd. So there are some people. You said There, there have been plenty scenes of Colin Kaepernick Going to uh, there was a scene of him at uh, at Levi's Stadium, the Monday night opener against the Rams, and he was signing autographs before the game. And there were a ton of fans clamoring for his autograph, and they all looked to be young and diverse. A lot of Latino fans of the 49ers, a lot of Mexican American fans, et cetera, Central American fans who relate, you know, kind of in this era where Donald Trump demonized them before he started furiously tacking to the center here these last few weeks. Uh, and Donald Trump demonized them, and, and they've, they feel marginalized. They were reaching out to Kaepernick, and I saw uh, just the, the, the pictures told a thousand words. There were a lot of young black kids and young Latino kids you know, reaching out, wanting to touch Kaepernick, wanting to take pictures with Kaepernick, wanting his autograph because he was speaking for them. And so there's a real connection there. But then you go to a place like Carolina. Well, there is a prominent black population in the South, obviously, and in North Carolina. You go to a Charlotte Pan- or Carolina Panthers game, you are going to get a rich, white, suburban crowd that's, that doesn't like what Colin Ka- Kaepernick's doing. And you also get kind of – the one thing you get in an NFL crowd, too, is also sort of the white, blue-collar guy. The, uh, the, what the, again, to put it in Trump terms, you know, the I love the uneducated, he said when he got votes. Uh, the, uh, the a lot of NFL fans tend to be the lower educated white who goes to the games. Unfortunately, it's created sort of a um, just just trafficking and full on stereotypes here, but a, sort of a, a dangerous environment. Guys who drink a lot, looking for fights. There's always viral videos of fights at NFL games now. My wife, the lovely and talented Candace, does not want to go anywhere near an NFL game. Since we saw a fist fight, a brutal fist fight at Candlestick Park ten years ago, so you get some of those guys who are sort of the lower lower demographic white male, and they don't like what Kaepernick's doing, so they're shouting at him too. So there is a disconnect a little bit between the crowds and him. But as I noted too, there's a little bit of a connect going on too. Has Kaepernick been emboldened by the support, by the fact that other athletes are kneeling, other athletes are taking a knee rather than? And we shouldn't say it's everybody either. I mean, it's, it's a personal choice for a lot of people, and it's not as though every black athlete is doing this. But quite a few uh, have supported him. I, I saw, for example, he talked about uh, he talked about that specific case, Terry Crutcher, that man who you mentioned, Brian, who was shot dead. Uh, and you know, he, get, he gets into a lot of detail on this. He says his car was broken down. He was looking for help, and he got murdered. It's a perfect example of what this is about. I think it'll be very telling what happens with the officers that killed him, because everybody's eyes will be on this. You know, Kaepernick's not just talking in, in idealistic generalities. Now it seems as though he's confident enough to confront the issues as they happen. 
Now, it's been incredible, uh, sort of getting back to what I said at the very start, which is that I am uh, really impressed at how he is winning this movement. He is really winning. And, you know, you never, I mean, it's horrible that something happened that almost proved his point. This story in Tulsa is so chilling and sad and, and, and sickening. But what it did was it emboldened Kaepernick and those others that you mentioned. Yes, he is. To answer your question, he is emboldened by the support he's getting. He's not gloating about it in any way. He's not like taking a victory lap or anything. He's just simply saying, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. And, uh, and, and, and everybody's welcome to continue the conversation. So he is he's, – he's winning. He's got steam. He's got momentum. He's getting more players. He's getting more. And as we mentioned, as you mentioned at the start of the interview – that the NBA is about to begin in October, and who knows what they're going to do. See, they have a very interesting situation. There's Now we can get into like physical logistics. When the anthem is played at an NFL game, it's in sort of a ma- – you know, you're in a massive outdoor stadium, 70,000 fans. There's 53 players on each side, so there's 100 football players. There's 20 coaches on each team, so there's t- and 10 trainers. There's damn near 200 people on the sidelines of an NFL game, and it can, it can get just look like a crowd. It can look like a mess. So one or two people kneeling – can get lost. In fact, we noted that Kaepernick did it for two weeks before anybody noticed he was doing it. But an NBA game is totally different. So many, so fewer bodies, 12 to 15 on a team, right there on the court. And the NBA has a longstanding tradition of the the players standing on the court during the anthem. If players start taking knees at NBA games, it'll be much different optically. It'll be a totally different image, and it'll be a more powerful image. And it could be somebody like LeBron James. It could be somebody like Stephen Curry. Who knows who's going to do it? So the NBA does provide an opportunity for this thing to keep having legs, and that's what's so impressive in this short attention span society, keep having legs. And, guys, uh, on top of that, we should note, too, that this has trickled down to the American high school football scene. A lot of uh, predominantly black high schools in America, especially here in Oakland in the Bay Area, Castlemont High and McClyman's High over in Oakland, their entire team and coaching staff took knees and raised fists during the national anthem. So this thing has gone down. Colin Kaepernick's dream is to open eyes and get conversations going. He is truly affecting those who can change it the most, and that is the youth, high school kids, wide open and embracing what he's saying. On the field, Brian, just a word on uh, a man who I think you've shown grudging respect for over the years, Bill Belichick. New England Patriots coach. Uh, th- <laughs> I think, you know, when you when you put aside the first two weeks of this season, they've shown that when you put aside the win-at-all-costs, and by that I mean cheating mentality that he has, he's a genius. He's missing his superstar quarterback, one of the greatest ever who's ever played the game. I think the second guy got injured during the last game, and he still churns out these victories. What a man. Pretty darn good uh, observation there. I would say grudging respect has is an accurate description because, of course, I cling to my guys so hard and Bill Walsh, of course, being my guy forever. But you're right. I mean, how many years does Bill Belichick keep having to do it before we just start putting him higher and higher and higher in this pantheon? And at some point, he'll be number one if he keep. I don't know if he has any designs of slowing down anytime soon. So what do you do to him this year? You take Tom Brady, who, by the way, is another guy who's just redefining lo- longevity and endurance because we talked about this last year. I think Brady's got no... 
Brady's here for like the next few years, man. This isn't like when Peyton Manning was trickling out at the end of last year, we were like, man, somebody get this guy off the field. Somebody call a stretcher. This guy can't even throw a screen pass right now, right? I mean, they won that Super Bowl with him with his arm hanging off of his shoulder, right? And Tom Brady's ready to go, and he's ready to play at a super high level. What does the NFL do? Yanks Brady out for four games. We can debate the merits of that, and we have over the past several months, I know. And what is, what's Bill Belichick's answer? To go to Arizona. Okay, the Arizona Cardinals are, the, are one of the hot new teams in the NFL. 13 wins last year. NFC Championship game last year. Bruce Arians, one of the better non-Belichick coaches in the NFL. And they have a home game against the New England Patriots with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's never started a game in the NFL. And Belichick wins the damn game. Incredible what he does, What he how he has every guy on his roster schemed and ready to play, how he has every guy on his roster believing that they're important so that when – it wasn't just Brady who was out. His two starting offensive tackles were out. Rob Gronkowski, one of our favorite topics through the years, Gronk, he was out, and they won that game. And then week two, Garoppolo gets hurt, and they bring in a rookie named Jacoby Brissett out of North Carolina State. He wasn't even a big name in college, and he skippered them to win. Now, they have a big game Thursday night against the Houston Texans. Maybe they won't win, or maybe they will. All I know is that the hoodie is just burnishing that resume and burnishing that resume, and we are all in awe. All right, Brian. Saturday week is the Dublin Mayo replay, so keep your eye on that one. Thanks very much for chatting. Hey, get ready for some questions about it next time, all right? <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> all right, guys, take care. That's one of those things. Stop it. How many players can do this? Duffman can never die. He's 34 years old. <laughs> It's one of those things. Duffman can never die. Only the actors who play him. No, he did. No, he did. Do you think Robbie Keane just said, you know what? Any questions about me being the MVP of this league? I think he just said right there. Oh, yeah. He's got more of a tan than me, but. Doesn't really sound like Major League Baseball is going to be a hotbed of political protest anytime soon. No. They'll just stay out of this one. Well, America's game are pretty anxious to make America great again, I'd say. Uh, 70 years. It's coming upon 70 years since Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. Yeah. And the sport in 2016 is described by one of its players as a white man's sport. Yeah, but it is. It's, I mean, it used to be, though. I mean, there was, this, there was this whole thing with Chris Rock. Remember, Chris Rock was talking about it. And he's a baseball yeah. fan. Hmm. And he was kind of like, there aren't many other black baseball fans anymore. It's like, uh, you know, it, the, the audience is much older and much wider than for any of the other sports. So you can imagine that if a, if a baseball player was to, was to do something as disrespectful as Neil during the anthem because... American police keep killing unarmed people who have their hands up for no reason. Uh, you can imagine the reaction to that person would be pretty bad. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. Kevin Harlan is a commentator for Westwood One Radio. He was calling a play in the fourth quarter of the 49ers-Rams game when this happened. San Francisco in the secondary. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. bare 
arrested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat. Oh, Kevin. they got him. Here comes They're coming the blue from the left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. I hope it was worth it, my friend, because you've got a night in the clink coming up. <laughs> there you go, Kevin Harden. Uh, it's a throwback, isn't it? Because you don't hear commentaries of you don't even see streakers anymore. This is it, Murph. Vader is on the of the field. I mean, he just took his top off. I mean, well, they don't. Yeah, they don't child him anymore. It's like some yeah. boring policy decision. Oh, don't give them the publicity. And it seems to be worldwide. Yeah. Anytime you what, but see, a radio commentator doesn't necessarily have the same liberty as a TV commentator because he has to describe what's going on. He can't just yeah. sit there. And go, we'll just wait for this. You, you don't know about this, and then yeah. dead air. That is true. I mean, uh, that was a pretty bloody good call, though. He called that whole. He called that whole uh, that whole incident pretty well. Well, how do we? Know, how does he know he was drunk? Did he breathalyze him on the pitch? Could have been a sober man running topless sometimes, down through an NFL game. Sometimes on live radio, and you just got to go with your gut, and uh, that's what our man did there. Last piece of massive news on this particular podcast. You ready for it, Ken? Yeah, go on. It's a big two men who operate in completely different sports will not be competing against each other. Yes, retired boxer Floyd Mayweather has ruled out about with mixed martial arts fighter Conor McGregor. He said this year that he would want a $100 million fight against the 28-year-old Irishman. I tried to make the fight happen, but we weren't able to, so we must move on, Mayweather told FightHype.com. I feel honoured to be the biggest name in MMA and in boxing, <laughs> and I don't even compete no more. Um... The Manchester United Golden State Warriors basketball game will go ahead as planned. That is going ahead, yeah, that yeah. Is, yeah. Great. The, yeah, that's what he said about Manny Pacquiao, though, for years, isn't it? So he's waiting for McGregor to get past his peak, is what you're saying. Floyd is just playing the long game, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, Floyd, you'll be 52. Yeah, <laughs> that is no. my only concern. If you wait till Conor McGregor turns 38, what age will Floyd Mayweather be? What age is he now, 40? Mm. Bernard Hopkins has managed to magically turn back time. Yeah. So who knows? Nearly 50 years old. You never know. I mean, it depends on the kind of shape. Is is Conor McGregor still going to be in the shape at 38 that Floyd Mayweather is in at 39? Remains to be seen. Mm. Ken, you really switched on through that. I like it. You're completely (laughs) alert now and ready to go for your football podcast. Thanks, Murph. Uh, Thanks, Owen. Thanks for uh, uh, facilitating our waking you up, Ken. Uh, Thanks, uh, Kieran. Thanks, Owen. Thanks so much for listening. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 